Welcome to Enemies of the People. A podcast about extremism in the 21st century. Hello, frenemies, and welcome to episode 23 of Enemies of the People. Today, I am talking with Dr. Lisa Segura. Lisa is a senior lecturer in criminology and cybercrime at the University of Portsmouth. Her most recent book is called Incel Rebellion, The Rise of the Manosphere and the Virtual War Against Women. Incel Rebellion is our frenemies book club book of the month. Lisa and I met a few months ago when we both gave evidence to MPs on the rise of extreme misogyny and the threat coming from those identified as incels. We've been trying to find a time to record this episode since last year, and I was so happy that we finally made it work. Now, without further ado, here's Lisa. Lisa Segura and I'm a senior lecturer in criminology cybercrime at the University of Portsmouth. I wanted to start with perhaps as a large question to begin with but let's go with it. What is the manosphere? Wow okay (laughs) so it's a term that has been used to apply to various spaces online that are used predominantly by men who loosely connected in in this sort of hatred of women or men's rights issues. The term is popularised by pornography marketeer Ian Ironwood in his book, The Manosphere, which was like a loosely collated collection of forum posts and blogs. So at the core, there's some genuine men's rights issues, such as fathers' rights activists, who have issues with the criminal justice system that is skewed by patriarchy and can be in favour of the mother. But then it's but then other groups alongside those have sort of taken sort of genuine issues and manipulated it so that women are the enemy and that there's this broader society that enables them. So within the manosphere, you've got, as I said, there's different groups, but they are all sort of loosely connected by that sort of reaction to women. Is it useful if you want me to talk about what those different are or not at this juncture? No, it's great because I was going to ask you about the different groups, like pickup artists and incels and men's rights activists, etc. So that brilliant okay so so we have men's rights activists in name is a bit of a misnomer it's not necessarily as I said there's genuine men's rights issues out there there's there's obviously issues in terms of the highest suicide rate for men and the fact that there's very limited to to no support for victim for male victims of sexual violence and domestic abuse but they're not they are not necessarily focusing on those issues rather they they have they they believe that they get that the women are sort of taken over society that 
that actually men's the very survival of men is at risk so they they need to fight back and therefore abuse of women particularly they do see feminism as the scourge of all evil so they, they encourage abuse and um, particularly particular sort of toxic hostility towards women then we have pickup artists uh, artists or artistry this is very much all about seduction techniques how to trick women into into having sexual relations women are not autonomous beings they are just bodies to be used and and essentially shallow and this this sort of um I would say movement, but that might not necessarily be the right term. This group sort of came to fruition in the sort of early 2000s initially. It was really sort of influenced by sort of the self-help culture, lad, ladette sort of culture as well, popularised in sort of 2005 by Neil Strauss's The Game, which was a very sort of popular book that provided sort of seduction techniques, basically saying any man could be successful with women and and so, and so those sorts of ideas have continued on then through through various spaces online, pickup artist forums on Reddit. were particularly were particularly pop. And as I said, it's very much that you know women women are just there to be used for sex. Then we have men going their own way or mugtow, and essentially, uh, it, the, the name would suggest that these are men who are rejecting any sort of relationship or contact with women. However, again, another contradiction, many Mugtow are in fact married and they do have relationships with women, but they still actively, their lives would be better if they didn't have any sort of female influence within them. This, this sort of, again, this sort of movement was influenced by the mytho, so the mythopoetic movement by Robert Bly as well. It's all about men embracing homo solidarity. So, so, but, but as I said, it's many of these groups within the manosphere are just replete with contradiction. They're, they're not necessarily. They, they may say that they stand for one thing, and then their behaviours demonstrate that they actually engage in quite the, quite the opposite. But of course, that still doesn't according to them, undermine their position. Then you have groups such as, but they're not as, as prolific within the manosphere, but they're still very much part of it, groups such as no fappers. These, these are men who believe that they're going to receive some sort of heightened state if they refrain from masturbation. And there's a crossover with other sort of misogynistic and anti-Semitic groups, such as the Proud Boys as well, who apparently disbanded last year because they had a hashtag, which was uh, hashtag no wanks as well, believing that they were going to sort of like say be enlightened for some reason. So there is that there is that crossover with with far right groups as well, particularly as with the intersection of things like anti-Semitism and white supremacy with the misogynistic male supremacist behaviors within them. Also have trad cons. However, according to something like the Incel Wiki, this is a slur. This is a slur used for identity politics. So unlike the other groups within the manosphere, very few people, according to the Intel Wiki, would necessarily self-identify as a tradcon. It's something that would be used to, to disparage, really. So, but it's just to note that, that that's linked again with the manosphere. And then finally, I've come to the incel. The incel. So the, there's obviously parallels 
along the way with things like pickup artistry, as in they, they, they obviously they want to want to attract women, although they might not necessarily say that on the surface, but that is very much the core. I mean, that's, that's obviously the the excuse that they use for their very being is that it's women's fault that they won't sleep. And there's obviously crossovers again with like things like men's rights activists and, and men go in their own way as well, because in embracing certain ideologies within the NCL community, um, they're claiming to reject women as well. And of course, the, the justification then of abusing and, and hating women, essentially. So Incel is a portmanteau of involuntary and and so those who adopt that name view themselves as unsuccessful in attaining romantic and sexual relationships with those that they desire and the term has been appropriated first and foremost by men and nowadays that it's it's come to be associated with 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 men although there are female incels the femme cells and also non-gender binary persons but much less is known about that as well and of course there are there are male incels as well who actively reject misogyny so it's not a it's not a homogenous group do you think it's an oversimplification to say that what unites all of these different groups into you know the manosphere is just entitlement to women's bodies and entitlement to sex or is that simplifying it a bit too much no, I think that's a really important point to make because often the manosphere is just presented as oh spaces that are misogynistic, and of course there's far there's far many there's far more nuance involved within it. And as I said there's different there's different I would say objectives within the different groups. There's a there's a common thread, but that misogyny also intersects with other forms of discrimination as well. And as and as I previously said in regards to things like fathers' rights activists, you know that there's you know that there are some are concerned with legitimate genuine men's rights issues as well so yes I think at the core we need to appreciate um, the harms that are coming in regards to the misogynist behaviors but also recognize the distinctions as well yeah and that's um, something that you mentioned in your book about the men's men's liberation movement that it started almost as as an ally to 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 feminist movements about how badly the patriarchy negatively impacted men as well but it has shifted almost completely from that starting point yeah isn't it interesting it's just like the the origins of insult as well I mean insult originally was gender inclusive created by a queer student Alana for anybody irrespective of their gender. And so, yes, when you look back to 1970s, you had second wave feminism, you had the men's liberation movement, and they were allied. They completely recognised the impact then of rigid rigid sex roles on both women and men, and the, the structural oppression as well. And they both were working in tandem to try and dismantle that. Now, they knew that actually just viewing men as... Now, their only value was how much money they could earn and women's only value was their bodies. You know, that was, you know, they realised that was that was obviously significantly problematic. And obviously those rigid gender and sex roles have not disappeared. They've not gone anywhere. But unfortunately, what, what kind of happened was this kind of, this this vault face where they kind of, they just, as you said, they shifted, the, 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 kind of shifted. And it, it was... There was some disagreement, particularly when second wave feminists were highlighting men's abuses against them, when they really started highlighting you know, the, the, the real significant problem of violence against women and girls that is 
but it's predominantly conducted by some men. And I don't want to oversimplify and say that was the reason, but that that was certainly not welcomed and certainly not not necessarily appreciated by all within the men's liberation movement. And and as well, there was I think there was the the prioritization as well over. It was almost like, and I don't mean to be facetious, but it was almost like a Prussian Olympics here. It was like, who's got it worse? That that because women were highlighting so many things that in the men's liberation movement, they kind of thought it undermined their position as well. And so, yes, it, unfortunately, they, they split. And it's not everybody within the men's liberation movement, but certainly you can see the origins of that, the, that mindset still present within the contemporary manosphere today. What do you think accounts that for that, you know, for lack of a better word, um, radicalization of these movements? Because both with the men's liberation movements and with the, the origins of the incel movement, as you say, it didn't start from a position of hatred of women and uh, of sometimes actively advocating violence against women or at least um, an entitlement to women's bodies. It didn't start from there, but it's where we are today. And what do you think accounts for that move towards extremism? That's a really difficult, very good, very good, but difficult <laughs> question. You know, what, how do people develop that really, you know, that, that really strong mindset, you know, to the point that it could be considered extremist? It's really difficult. But certainly what I, what I think I can comment on more confidently is the comparison with, so if we're looking at the situation today and so sort of, you know, maybe why, why, why are we seeing the development of the manosphere? And with my argument saying that it's not anything particularly new in terms of at the cause of the, the same sort of ideology and dependent. And then what happened in the sort of 1970s with that shift with the men, men, to the men's rights. It's almost like a backlash, I would say. It's almost like that defensiveness comes through so where you have the second wave feminists saying you know we've had basically standing up we're not we've had enough of, of obviously men abusing and killing us those same we're still having those same arguments today women are still saying that today and what we've seen and I'm certainly not saying any any such movements are you know the cause of incels that's that's not the case but where you see progressiveness and where you see influential movements really impacting upon the public consciousness like Time's Up and Me Too and even this year in the, the, this year has been particularly brutal in the UK for women with really high profile murders but it's almost like the backlash to that as I said it's that it, it's that preciousness that defensiveness of no it's it's, it's no no men aren't like that Men and, and the othering of it and it's almost like we have to stand that there's some men think they have to stand up and fight back against that and then keep going further and further down that rabbit hole where actually the you know the, their excuses and their justifications make get them to the point where yeah they really then sort of try and reject any sort of counter arguments to that so hashtag not all men as a absolutely Absolutely. Nobody ever says it's all men. That's why I almost feel like I, I end up using qualifiers and saying some men, because that is implicit. But I almost feel like I need to say that because I know the reaction will be, oh, you're demonizing all men. Yeah, I think that is, for me, very clear. It's a clear trajectory on the men's liberation movement. But I still find it personally very confusing confusing how the incel movement shifted so much from its original position because there it's how it was founded you know with the, the yeah. queer student Alana and how it was supposed to be this inclusive space for people who were 
not having sex and not having yeah. relationships, even though they wanted to, to be what it is today. I mean, there have been several murders, mass shootings around the world that have been inspired by that incel ideology. And we'll get to the question of ideology in a minute. And that have been committed by those who identified as incels. So I find that um, very fascinating and very unsatisfying because I can't see a clear trajectory. I can't point to a particular point in time where there has been a shift, but that there has, the shift has happened, but it's difficult to explain what caused it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not able to kind of say, oh, this was a particular point in where it was, you know, appropriated and where it transformed into into the incel community that we now know today, you know, associated with some mass murders and and misogyny and and hatred. But it's certainly, I'm not saying this is definitively the cause and we can't prove it otherwise anyway. But it's almost like the the attention, the you know, the, the sort of attention it gets from the media when it has when the community has been linked with really heinous acts of violence. So see the the you know, I think the the first main one that people would, would have known about was obviously the 2014 Isla Vista killings. It's almost as if that maybe gives some people predisposition to violence within the community, the license to make it to kind of, I don't know, appropriate it more and present it more in that fashion. And I mean, after all, the perpetrator of the Isla Vista shooting, there's no evidence to show that he was on incel forums. He used the language, and this is another thing about the overlap within manosphere spaces is, is the same use of, of lexicon. But he, he, you know, he certainly used the language, he certainly used the his being a virgin as as you know as a reason somewhat you know somewhat for what, what he engaged in but he was actually on pickup artist forums and really expressed his his resentment of those because they were unsuccessful you know he was unsuccessful in in, in employing those techniques on those forums and it was after so it was obviously after after that particular atrocity that so that was shut down so wasn't it pick up hate or something that was shut down and then it reopened as pick up slut hate pick up art pua slut hate so it made it more I'd say i'm not saying you know that this is a clear you know causation but it's it almost became more extreme after it shut down and got more attention and i do just wonder if there is something about the opportunities online, the affordances that are available, where say some people see see something that's there and think, you know, I'm going to use that for particular purposes. And then, in, in terms of going, in terms of that development, then it obviously, you know, being so the incel. I'm sorry, I'm going into ideology now. <laughs> you mentioned ideology, where something particularly seductive and appealing about an ideology that presents you with a reason for or everything that's wrong in your life and of course it's completely external to you it's not your fault you know it's it's part of your biology that w- that will bring more people into it i think the the issue of ideology is so important because for example i you know that i come from the perspective of someone who's studying terrorism and far-right terrorism and extremism and all of it. So ideology is key to my work. And I remember there have been lots of discussions about whether or not extreme misogyny and incel ideology should be considered an extremist ideology that can lead to acts of terror and whether or not extreme, whether or not incel mass shootings or mass shootings that were inspired by incel ideology should be considered acts of terror. There's a lot of debate around it. And one of the key 
backlashes against this is the idea that it is not a coherent ideology. And there was even with the Plymouth shooting that happened last year in the UK, the senior law enforcement agent said that it couldn't be considered an act of terror because incel ideology is not an ideology. It's just some kind of thinking. And for me, that is absurd because every ideology is some kind of thinking but also the idea that incels don't have a coherent ideology is quite absurd because anyone that spends any time researching it knows that they do the language that they speak is is quite formalized yeah so i mean i would say this is about male supremacism as well i i think there's a bigger problem here and this is this is absolutely me not defending incels whatsoever but I think they are they are representative of broader societal misogynistic structures which reinforce and validate them and bidirectionally they reinforce and validate those structures which were which existed before before incels before incels I think incels are almost like the latest iteration of misogyny they're the contemporary digital form but yeah so I I do agree with you in the sense that 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 this that there has to be some recognition of you know there is an act of terror within I I probably so actually I think I when it comes to whether or not incels as a group are terrorists I'm a little bit more cautious because I don't I mean I don't see them as a homogenous group and to, you're right ideology is definitely some way of thinking I think again it's absurd for anybody to just you know, to, to use that as a reason not to respond appropriately but it's all I mean there's so much contradiction as well within them that half the time it's you know and again I keep, I keep obviously putting these sort of qualifiers that it, this is me not not in any way justifying any of the you know the hateful behavior but there's so much contradiction and performativity and fantasy within it that it's it's problematic. And there are you see, there's almost it's almost like different different variations of incel as well as as well. So not everybody ascribes to the black pill ideology as well. I mean, I'd say that's almost like the the, the crystallization of being a true incel. But not everybody who self identifies and uses that um to describe themselves is you know would necessarily say they're black pills but there are genuine so in my research I found there were genuine people that need help they you know one of the I think really sad sad facts about about this community is that you will get people that just go they're looking for solidarity looking for some support and just some understanding about you know about 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 their problems um such people may you know may may be depressed and this is certainly not to stigmatize or say every incel has a mental health issue it's certainly not the case either but they people such people will not get that support in the community it is you know, often they are told to commit suicide and self-harm themselves and they're taught to self-loathe and of course that self-loathing is then directed out externally against women and broader society but for me, I generally think this is a bigger problem of male supremacism, and that fundamentally does need to be recognised as a form of terror. And that is what's that's what that is what's happening at the moment. That violence against women is 
being re- or there's discussions isn't there about this being implemented so that's that is a positive and it's about time that we're recognizing that there is and I mean I'm not a terrorism scholar so when and you might have noticed my reluctance to use terms like ideology and extremism because I'm afraid that I'm not necessarily to use them in the right context but I certainly feel that the same male and I'm, I will say that this male violence and male ideology male male worldview about their you know their their dominance that's there that is certainly a problem and I think there is enough evidence to show in fact there's far too much evidence to show that this is connected with real world violence it's interesting because I am a terrorism scholar, but I'm also um, an abolitionist, and I believe that the current law enforcement that we have, the current counterterrorism issues, is part of the problem. Counterterrorism policy is part of the problem rather than part of the solution. The way that I approach it is that it seems that, and it has been for a very long time, that terrorism is always framed as the absolute threat to the state, the absolute threat to the nation. And only those things that get attached with the word terrorism are taken seriously as a serious threat that he's addressing. And there are all these other issues going on, the the, the epidemic of violence against women, the number of violence, the extreme rise case, the, the rise in cases of extreme far-right violence and all of these things that are not attached with the word terrorism, so are not being taken seriously, or at least not being considered as the threat that they should be. And I think people think that academics have all the answers or that we present ourselves as having all the answers because we write books on issues and things like that. But the answer that we have is that it's complicated. <laughs> Everything you just said, I agree with. I really do. And I, as you said, it's, it's that expectation that to, to provide, you know, a yes, no answer to this. And that's not, that doesn't reflect the reality of the situation. I think, yeah, I think, I think you're right in terms of the, it's not about I think some of the reporting particularly after the Plymouth attacks was very much are incel terrorists as in the the group or anybody that ascribes itself ascribes as an incel is a terrorist automatically which yeah that is I mean that is irresponsible for starters but it's not about that it's about yes it's the ideology it's that mindset which for me I say it's a form of male supremacism it's yeah it's enabling encouraging facilitating violence against women and girls and also men's violence against women and girls which they say is an epidemic two women two women so one woman is killed every three days in this country uh, and it's I mean that's ridiculous and then you know we think globally as well you know the figures are just harrowing so it's it, we know that there's this problem what is why is this happening what is the what what is the mindset that's feeding into that? I think that in this case, there is a, a very, I mean, in many cases, but in just in what you're saying, a very clear overlap with the problems with far-right extremism and taking far-right extremism seriously, because it is white supremacy, just like with the incels is a problem of male supremacy, which is endemic in society. So it's not a fringe issue as people would like to present it. So it, it becomes more difficult for authorities to tackle because that would mean tackling themselves and the role that they play within white supremacy and male supremacy. Yeah. Yeah. And inherently that requires a level of self-reflection from the state, from law enforcement agency that they don't have because they themselves are steeped in white supremacy and male supremacy. No, it's recognizing, isn't it, that this is these these are inbuilt these issues are just inbuilt into institutions. 
structurally they're embedded and so yeah they, they're not going to be resolved straight away you can't just slap a label on and go yeah that's fine but it's it's recognizing that broader problem and articulating it this is I mean this is this is one of the problems is that it's not it's it's that defensiveness, isn't it, where you try and have these conversations where, where say, if they talk about white supremacy, we talk about male supremacists, and we're not saying you know, white people are all bad, all men are bad. That is not the case whatsoever. But there's something about that, and it's that dirty word, privilege. You know, the privilege that 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 that, that some groups have over others, and how that privilege is being abused. To, to retain that dominance over others in really violent ways. But yeah, we need to recognise it. We need to actually say it for what it is and get it built into policy and legislation. Yeah, and I think that's also at the core of what, you know, if you if you identify as an abolitionist like I do, is that the, the structures that we have are part of the problem because it is embedded. So it's it's about trying to, to reimagine the world free of these structures that are also causing these problems. And we've seen with with um, the Sarah Everett murder and the just peeling off the layers of the institutional misogyny in at, at the Metropolitan Police, that this is not, how is it that the police are going to protect women from violence if policemen are deeply embedded in violence against women in participating and promoting or reinforcing violence against women? Yeah, I think one of the problems is, is that the very nature of policing the very job the power the authority that it comes that comes with that role the power to intrude into people's lives is really appealing to to those you know that, that want to abuse you know the, 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 those that want that power those that you know they, they're going to see that as you know a particularly good way then to you know further their own agendas as well and until that is you know, that's dealt with, that's recognised. I think there's a real issue with, when it comes to, you know, recruitment and making sure that you know, such people do not get those positions of power. And everything that you're saying is also applicable to white supremacy. So it's almost as if the two happen <laughs> alongside each other. Male supremacy and white supremacy is almost as if they are almost the same thing. Yeah, please don't know, it's supremacy, <laughs> right? The, 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 different, the different facets of supremacy. But yeah, in terms of, like I said, furthering their objectives, they're very, obviously they, they, it makes sense for them to work in tandem because they're on the same page. They they pretty much want the same things. It's just I think there's a, there's a slightly different focus on who the you know the unfortunate target is. But it's but they really wanting the same thing, you know, to preserve that sort of dominance in society. You know, any sort of any sort of issue of uh, progressiveness is going to be a threat. There's going to be threats to that. I need your help with something. The deadline for the British Podcast Awards is coming up, and I would really love to enter Enemies of the People. You know how much I believe in our show, and I think we have a chance. However, it would cost me £120 to enter all of the four categories for which the show is eligible. And here is where you come in. You know that I have no sponsors or advertisers, and I pay for everything related to the show by myself and with the help of my monthly supporters and your donations at Coffee. 
I am able to cover the running costs of the podcast thanks to the monthly supporters of the show, but I would need to raise extra money to be able to pay for the entry fees for the British Podcast Awards. If you were able to donate to our coffee fundraiser, that would be incredible. You can donate any amount. And remember, if you join as a monthly supporter, you also get access to the Frenemies Book Club, and I'm in the process of setting up a Discord server for us as well. If you can't donate, you can still help by raising the profile of the show. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. I know the judges will be looking at the reviews of the show, as well as our viewing figures, listening figures, and rankings. So everything you do to support us counts. Download, listen, and share your favorite episodes with everyone you know. You can share directly from your podcast app, or you can share on social media via WhatsApp, via word of mouth, through smoke signals, Morse code, whatever you like. I am trying to raise £120 by the end of March in order to meet the April deadline for submission, and I think that with your help, we will get there. Thank you so much for your continued support, always. And now, back to the show. Exactly about the, the black pill because we've heard of the red and blue pill but what is then the black pill okay so on top of the red and blue pill the the incel community have created a third pill that of the black pill which once metaphorically consumed is I said that realization then that that final cementing of becoming an incel and essentially at the core of it the way it's presented makes it seem like it's some kind of incredible philosophical thing and it's not it's 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 particular opinions which is which incels then you supplement with pseudoscientific studies or or studies from evolutionary psychology and biology, which they then manipulate to fit that worldview. So essentially, it's made up of, of things like hypergamy, which is the belief that women will always uh, marry higher up. So they will look for rich men. And, and that's, you know, that that is a genuine that's a, you know, that that didn't originate with incels. That that can be linked to like India and the caste system as well. So at the so with many things, with many, well even with things like conspiracy theories, at the core there's some there's some element of validity or some element of facts even, which which then obviously gives the you know the the rest of it credence. And incels are no different with all of the say the world views that form the, the overarching black pill that's what they do so then there's things like the just be white theory or jbw which or it's also called sexual sexual racism which is the belief that women will prefer white men and so men of color are instantly going to you know, suffer romantically and sexually just by virtue of the color of their skin and as i said they will draw on they studies so just so do science and things like surveys on dating sites to supplement this by going so if I think there was something like maybe on OkCupid where they look at profiles and so what what do women tick they say you know what so yeah ethnicity is something that is offered and so they'll use that to say look this is how the world is skewed in favor of 
know, white men, the Chad, they you know that they go into they go to get all the women basically. But they don't then look at men. They don't look at what men have ticked as well, which is interesting. And because you'll find that men can actually be worse <laughs> on some of these responses. Then there's things like um, the eighty twenty rule which is bastardization, sorry, choose the word, um, of Pareto's principle, which is that so 80, yeah, so 80% of women are competing for the top 20% of men. And then conversely, you've got 80% of men are competing for the bottom 20% of women. So yeah, society skewed again. And then things like the halo effect, which is, you know, that's, you know, that's, you know, a concept that is well known in things like psychology as well. You know, the better looking people in this case with incels is better looking men are going to have a nicer life. And lookism, which is that crosses over with the pick of artists where you can work on yourself work on your attractiveness your physical appearance to be more sexually sexually attractive and appealing to women but which but as I said replete with contradiction because in taking the black pill incels believe that that they that that they can't change their circumstances so it's really fatalistic it's nihilistic where you know, they they basically they're the Zeta males, they're never going to they were born into this, they're never going to change. But then as I said, it's in, they include things like lookism, which is about changing your appearance to be more attractive. So therefore, how is how is that believing that your circumstances are never going to change either? And also to completely undermine the whole of the black pill, pretty much every single incel still doesn't want to be an incel. This is a term that they have self-ascribed. This isn't a label that's been put on by anybody else. They chose, They said they're an incel. They basically said that they're the lowest of the low in society, which is not obviously a fun existence. And actually, they want they want to ascend. That's the, you know the term to leave the incel community ascension. And by doing so, it's about forming a relationship and having a girlfriend. So again, they don't necessarily believe that that that's it, that this is that their life circumstances can never be changed. I wanted to ask as well, because you have written a book called Incel Rebellion, which is the book for our March Frenemies book club, but you're, you're, you're um, a specialist in cybersecurity. So how did you become interested in studying the manosphere and incels? So, so yeah, I mean, at, at the core I mean I, I've got a bit of an interdisciplinary academic background but yeah so I've been sort of studying online deviance for, for years my PhD was was on that but I would say I'm predominantly more aligned with that criminology as a discipline and I've been really so I've been looking at the, the sort of broader area of gender abuse online harassment and sexual violence for some years um and as part of my you know, sort of cyber research, I was looking at online misogyny and um, sort of hate speech online and came across the now defunct R, R incel thread that was obviously notoriously taken down in 2017 and learned more about obviously some of those high profile cases that the community had been associated with, obviously particularly the one in 2014 in Isla Vista and sort of started my work from there. And I just started spending time on, on incel sites and spaces and, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we're almost out of time recording, but I, I, I always ask the big question towards the end is how do we address this? <laughs> 
what is the solution? Because you say it, and you've said it here to an extent, but you say it in your book that banning these forums and these sites is not the solution because it tends to lead them to more radicalized places or places where they can be more easily radicalized, such as Gab and Telegram and Discord and Twitch channels, etc., so how do we address because it is it is a it's a movement that is primarily online but the solution can't be to ban online spaces because that tends not to solve the issue so i think there's there's two different ways of looking at this i think i think there's work that can be done and i mean there's no easy answer when we're talking about say we're talking about misogyny we're talking about male supremacy but i think if we're looking at the issue of of, of potential others joining the incel community, particularly young men, young boys who might be a bit disillusioned, hearing different narratives and really not knowing what to think. And of course, these boys might not necessarily be going specifically to incel forums and spaces. They could be hearing the language and some of the ideas on gaming sites quite easily. So it's about how do we counteract that, obviously, before and whilst it's happening. And obviously, the you know, there's no quick fix here, but it's about education. It's about having those open conversations about gender equality from a very young age. And there's so much more work the schools can be doing in order to to promote that. And again, you know, not an easy, not an easy quick fix, but yeah, it's about dismantling the rigid gender stereotypes as well, which, you know, where women are seen as inferior to men, that it's, it's almost like a license for for some men to abuse women on top of that so there's there's that in terms of being preemptive but then in terms of obviously those that are within the intel community which is you know very very difficult i mean how do you how do you provide counter narratives and i think there's definitely an onus of responsibility on platform providers um I mean, broader issues of allowing misogynistic hate speech anyway. It's almost like the it's almost like the last taboo. That's not being dealt with anyway before we even get to incels. If you take the forthcoming online safety bill, for example, gender's not even included within it, despite all the evidence that has, has been delivered to Parliament. So that's incredibly frustrating. But certainly this, I mean, as you said, it's not about it's not about banning. That's that's not they're just going to go to sites then where they won't be banned in which which actually encourages far more extremist behavior with like the chans for example which will really actively encourage it as well so we want to stop that we want we don't want that happening but how can so you know the site so so the more mainstream sites that this is happening on you know it's got to be a case of that it just can't you know said maybe I, I don't know i'm not the tech expert despite my cyber background <laughs> it's more the behavior but it's you know that there's certain there's just some things that shouldn't be able to be put on platforms we know that it can be done with other forms of hate speech so why is it not happening when it comes to misogyny but also the you know that there's actually where it's this fits into the broader area of conspiracy theories and fake news where you know that the actually that, that this isn't valid you know that the that you know where people are you know that actually they're presented with let's say the different counter narratives the different facts as well that I'm not saying that would necessarily work for everybody because that that is a real issue within the insult community is where they where you try and present counter arguments, but they'll still to to their you know drawing on their science, so pseudoscience, and you know keep repeating the studies back at you without any form of kind of critical nuance. So it's a really difficult one. I did so I in the interviews that I had with with people that still stated that they were 
um, currently in cells, I did ask what what would you know what would what would help you, and they, you know their response was well you know if I did find love if I did find a girlfriend, and of course my reaction to that is it can't be on women it can't be women's responsibility for you to for you to stop being so hateful <laughs> that's that's not how this works, um, so that was the response so. Obviously, that's really difficult. Whether or not there's the emphasis on, you know, the, there is some, there is an issue with the wider emphasis on finding sex and romantic relationships in society as well, which I think we need to challenge. That so that doesn't necessarily make a person success, but ultimately, as human beings, we do want love and companionship. So it's <laughs> it's a really difficult one. But that that can't be, you know, that can't be the 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 response that can't be it you know this you know not like some sort of Jordan Peterson enforced monogamy kind of you know reaction that's that's certainly not what I would suggest but it's say it's it's I mean it, I suppose it's probably similar to other sort of terrorist groups where you say how do you how do you stop the spread of the ideology how do you ensure that counter narratives are accessed and there's, as I said, I think there's certainly technical things that could probably be done, but obviously structurally and societally, I think there's loads of work to do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. This was brilliant. I enjoy talking to you so much. And we could have gone on for a while longer. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. That was Dr. Lisa Segura. You can find her on Twitter at Lisa underscore Segura. Her book, The Incel Rebellion, The Rise of the Manosphere, The Virtual War Against Women is available now, wherever you get your books. It is also available in open access and the link is in the episode description. Incel Rebellion is also the book for our next Frenemies book club and we will meet in early April, so make sure to check that out. Remember, I am trying to raise the funds to enter the British Podcasting Awards, and you can help us by donating over a Kofi. The link is in the episode description. If you're enjoying Enemies of the People, please tell everyone you know. Rate and review us, download more episodes, subscribe and follow. Your support means the world to me. Remember, you can also support us over at Ko-fi and join our Frenemies book club by becoming a monthly supporter. You can find us on Twitter at EnemiesPod. I'm on Twitter at Maria W. Norris. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week for more Enemies of the People.